is the Desperate Mothers Podcast. Oh my. Check out what these desperate mother are up to this week. Welcome to the Desperate Mothers Podcast. I'm CJ Watson. And I'm Jack Fisher. Hey, and we're back after a uh, um, much needed break. <laughs> Let's call it the uh, winter recess. Winter recess is good. Yeah, there's been a lot of restructuring of everything. Well, Congress gets to take recesses oh all the time. Gosh, yes, they do. And, yeah. you know, sometimes we're better off when they do take recesses. Well, I think that we needed um, a, a break to digest the Trumpocalyptic <laughs> events. <laughs> and, and as funny as the whole Trump primaries election compared the whole process to the game the throne was i really believe ramsey's now the king of Westeros, and there's just nothing more to talk about yeah that's um so we're just now getting to the point where we can face reality and you know that that was a journey that was uh that was many fifths of jack daniels and yeah, jameson castmates i don't know what i'm good I, I can compare it to without offending somebody <laughs> well the goal of the show has never been to not offend people oh the goal of the show has not been to offend people unless you're donald trump but it's never been to not offend people all right i'm saying if for the past couple months I felt like, say, Rihanna after her first beating by Chris Brown, that would probably be accurate. But now I'm comfortable with it. I feel like Rihanna after her third or fourth beating by Chris Brown. So you, you get used to it. You do get used to it. You, you develop a thick skin. I have I have a uh, battered woman syndrome. <laughs> I I think that actually would be a reasonable description of the majority of the United States right now. Um, definitely the press corps. <laughs> I mean, not to make light of battered women syndrome, I have a lot of friends who've worked with battered women. I realize that it's totally a serious thing. Oh, yeah, I'm being totally serious when I say that... That we feel like we have battered women syndrome. Yes. Because yes. we're being battered by the president every day. I just want him to tweet about me. <laughs> He needs to tweet about the desperate mothers. Well, you know, um, one strategy is to buy ad time on Fox and Friends in the D.C. area. I don't know, because he is not tweeting about John Oliver. And even though John Oliver's been buying, like, commercial time to directly address the president, the problem is John Oliver should be buying Twitter space. Because that's what the president goes on. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a vehicle for buying Twitter space right now. You can advertise on Twitter. Yeah. He should advertise on Twitter. Pay the money to directly target uh, 70-year-old men who happen to live in the White House area. They go down to Mar-a-Lago. Man, what a rocket. I mean, if I were president, I, the first thing I would do 
upon being elected president would be I would buy a hotel and I would call that my getaway place. I would get pay myself when I'm president. Yeah, so uh, where would your uh, Western White House be? Western White House. Well, that's pretty tough to say. I would be leaning toward the beach or any place with bikini-clad people. Yeah. I think I'd actually go for uh, establishing a Western White House in somewhere in the Portland, Oregon region. Do they have a lot of bikini-clad people there? No. Oh, I, I'm not following your... Well, they have beer and they have wine. No. They have that in California. Yeah, it's not the same. Right. Well, California is known for some of the world's best wines, so... I mean, I'm probably not up there with Portland, Oregon. <laughs> well, when you start talking about beer... Yeah, well... Craft beer, uh, and right there at Portland, you've so got... So didn't the current movement as we know it originate up northwest well are you talking about the bernie movement the craft beer movement. oh the craft beer yeah northwest portland seattle okay but the thing about beer is the hops and barley and all that stuff do not and we do not grow there they don't grow there no they're not, not growing those in portland well you import the barley, but the hops you can grow regionally. Which you have to these days with the giant beer manufacturer buying up all the good hops. Yeah. You have to have a good supply chain. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good hops now is harder to get the marijuana. <laughs> yeah, six pack is, uh, is more expensive than a dime bag, that's for sure. <laughs> that's true. Could you grow grow or brew beer with hemp? Um, I I don't know of anybody trying to. Somebody should check uh, Benjamin Franklin's notes because you know he was a big hemp proponent. Uh huh. If you could do it with hemp, he probably did it. Okay. So um, hemp hops. Hemp hops. Mm-hmm. We could probably talk to transplants about it. I, I think they'd be down for making some hemp beer. Hemp beer. It's legal hemp now. Hemp beer, yeah. For recreational use in, in California. And would, a, would a hemp hopped beer be considered an edible? Uh, probably, depending on the, uh, the actual THC content in it. So you'd have the uh, the ABV, the IBU, and... The THC. It's like alphabet soup up in my beer. <laughs> it's sounding pretty complicated. It does. Now that beer, beer brewing is overly easy. <laughs> Apparently they like to have stuff clean and measured and brought up to specific temperatures. Well, the problem with... Yeah. problem with this discussion is that it's getting technically... Um, well, specific and we, we haven't been in danger of nearing technical territory yet <laughs> but it's been flirting with non I'm just saying if they brewed hemp beer I'd be drinking it we, we'd be saying get yourself a bottle of hemp hops okay so we don't know that there's not hemp beer 
And oh. we are one Google search away from it. The great wizard Google knows all. He's like the old man that lives on Mars in Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. When all the children are sad and the Martians don't know what to do, they go to this old man and they ask him why. And the old man says, because the children aren't allowed to be children. Okay. They need a Santa Claus. So, and hence the movie. Ten seconds after entering the search hemp beer, I come back with uh, California Delicious Hemp Ale. So we're talking about something that we don't need to be talking about. We can just buy it. I'm saying it exists. Less talking, more drinking. we got to buy that. Where's that at? Well, we've got uh, Humboldt Beer Company. They apparently have a hemp beer brew. Oh, I know Humboldt. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Nine marijuana beers for 420. That was published in April of last year. Beer Advocate does a review of the Humboldt Brown. Humboldt Brown Hemp Ale. And if Beer Advocate reviews it, you know it must be real. <clears throat> Of course, I always wonder how they get this website for alcoholics to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, they claim an IBU of 32, an alcohol by volume of 5.7, but they do not mention a THC content. I don't think it... Well, this topic will need further exploration. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But until then, so I know we were to overly excited about Ghost in the Shell coming out because it stars one of our favorite actresses. It's hard not to love Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like... She has a multitude of talents. Yes. So Ghost in the Shell took some heat from being whitewashed. Now, and you saw the anime, and we talked about this in the past. And I said, it's really hard to tell that her character in Ghost in the Shell, the anime, was supposed to be Asian. I would argue that in the original anime, that Major was Caucasian as hell. Yeah. Did not look like the Asian characters. <clears throat> And like Forrest Gump said, that's about all I have to say about that. So, Scarlet has established herself as a modestly talented actress and a very marketable action star. Yeah, I dare say that she's probably currently the premier female action star in movies having surpassed Angelina Jolie. Yeah, I, I would totally agree that she is uh, currently surpassing uh, Miss Jolie. Um, Angelina Jolie has done, done the whole um, melodramatic movies and stuff. She's, she's distanced herself from the action genre. Kind of. But she had salt. She, she's Mr. Never, Mr. Smith. she's never abandoned it. She had salt, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um, Wanted Tomb Raider the Tomb Raider series 
Um, I mean, for a lot of people, you'd say, wow, you had a lot of action movies. For her, you'd say, eh, it's not that many. Because <laughs> she's had a lot of movies. Slackers, or Hackers, that was not really an action movie. No. And for you wondering at home, it was not really a hacker movie either. <laughs> it was like a computer fantasy movie. Well, I mean, that's pretty much all that Hollywood knows how to do. Because yeah, real hacking is incredibly boring yeah. and cumbersome and time-consuming. The closest I've seen to good kind of hacking in a movie... Our show is Mr. Robot. Yeah. But they still make it overly dramatic. Well, the, you know, they get to throw in the multiple personality disorders and uh, the schisms of reality. And <clears throat> I did like the idea of them hacking a, um, a, a temperature control device. Mm-hmm. You know, with now the, all the smart homes and the Wemos and connected outlets and everything. And the big whole zombie attack of last year, using people's unprotected home automation devices. Well, it is very much the reason why I don't have home automation in my house. Um, it's, it's why I don't have a smart TV, and I don't have, a, God forbid, a smart toaster or a smart microwave or smart refrigerator. A smart refrigerator, because. You know, once I, I really can't interact with it, but someone can hack it. <laughs> it does me no good, but someone can hack it. Once those fuckers get into your microwave, it's game over. That's funny though. I mean, because people people wonder what the big deal about that is. And the thing is, it hooks up into your network to be able to do what it does. It doesn't have like a cellular data plan of its own where it's isolated. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's the back door into your shit. You know, it's not the device itself that you have to worry about. It's the the connection into your network that it gives people. Yeah, you're giving it a peer connection. Mm-hmm. And, and as insecure as you can give it because, you know, you cannot interact with it very well. Unless it happens to have an app still. It's good. <laughs> Just hack the app. And it's very much why I didn't jump on the Alexa bandwagon and all the um, this holiday season. Everybody was buying the the stupid hockey puck. Uh, oh, I bought a couple. Yeah, yeah. I haven't bought any uh, outlets or anything because I'm still waiting for better options. I mean, what you. You really want Bluetooth into your network or into a controller as the most secure thing right now. But you're not going to get that. <laughs> you're going to get WPA2. You're gonna, maybe. Yep. But then with the mass proliferation of these devices out there, there is incentive. And I think that's the whole deal. That's what you're dealing with with hackers going into your home or hackers going into any of your device. It's incentive. Hacking a device takes a lot of work. Well, what most people don't realize is that hacking is not about taking overt control. Hmm. It's, it's not about turning the microwave into a death ray. 
which would be cool. <laughs> it's cool, and it probably makes a good film. But what it's really about is turning the microwave into a relay, which is collecting and uh, disseminating sensitive information. Like when you log into your bank account, if your microwave has been turned and it is in fact a Cylon, then the microwave doesn't have to kill you. All the microwave has to do is to record the packets as you log into your bank account and then relay those to the friendly Chinese hacker that lives in Beijing. And then they get all of your American dollars. Yeah. And your social security number. And they make three people with exactly your name. So, yeah, it's it's not about the toaster rising up mm. and shooting death rays at the occupants of the house. It's this much more uh, covert collection of data. And then that's another thing that people don't understand. You know, they think, oh, well, <clears throat> I never really save my passwords on my computer. I just remember them so that when I log in, so that if someone does hack my system, they don't find a file on my desktop saying, my passwords have had it. They don't understand packet capturing. They don't understand um, information gathering, you know, real-time information gathering it's yeah most people um have very little concept of what uh real hacking is about and um the things that they do to expose themselves to it because if you want to keep a folder on your desktop with all of your sensitive information and passwords Go ahead and encrypt that with a simple 128-bit encryption code. It's going to take whoever steals your computer days or weeks to crack it, brute force. Well, and it's really not about whether they can crack it. It's about... How long it takes. It's about what is going to produce the most results for them. So they're collecting data. Mm Mm-hmm. And they have files that take them 10 seconds to crack and extract the data. And your file is going to take them two days to crack and extract the data. They've collected 10,000 files that only take them 10 seconds. And they've collected 100 files that are going to take them two days to crack. They're not going to bother with those. They're not going to bother with the ones that take them two days to crack. They're going to crack the 10,000 files that take them 10 seconds. It's like what the police always tell you. Lock your door, close your windows, don't leave packages in plain sight, and then thieves will move on to easier targets. Right. Because thieves need to move fast. Because the more time they spend doing something, the more time they're exposed. And in a... A large extent, it's about efficiency. Uh, it would be inefficient of them to spend two days to crack your file. When they can get the same thing off of you that they're going to get off the next guy? They're, they're going to get better information off the guy that didn't encrypt his files. So, yeah, I, I don't know what we're talking about right now, but it's uh, don't make yourself an easy target. So don't buy the Alexa <laughs> like I have twice. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just not ready to embrace the whole home automation because... I so want to do it, though. You know, I want to replace all of my outlets and all of my switches with stuff that I can potentially voice control and say, Alexa... Set living room for theater mode. It's because we want to be Captain Kirk. And we want to be Jean-Luc Picard. We want to walk into the bridge and we want to say, Computer, set mood to jazzy. And have it change the lights and turn on some... Uh, we'll play some mood music over play your Play some mood sonus. music, um, maybe a little sexual healing, and uh, we want to be in that futuristic environment. But but the truth is that... It, the, the one thing we never saw in all of our, our futuristic movies is the futuristic bad guys that go with it. You know? We didn't see that... Yeah, since our house is connected, our entire house is now an object of potential hacking. You never see that. You know, and that brings me up to like our perception of the future when we talk about like space combat. Like mm-hmm. like in Star Wars, everyone's shooting at each other. And, and and they might have shields in their spaceships or whatever, right? But the deal is they're shooting at each other. I made R two D two an astromech robot droid that can navigate me through fucking light years away but when it comes down to targeting i'm still doing it manually what the fuck's up with that yeah there there is a certain level of disbelief when um you know i can astrogate from uh the bedouin system to tattooing but i'm still shooting like it was a battle of britain Fixed I'm, guns on my X-wing. I I have guns that are bore sided to a uh, hundred meters in front of me, and uh, I'm hoping that I can jink into the perfect firing solution. At the very least, my autopilot can make my dogfight work for me better than I can. <laughs> well, I think. Any common drone could probably dogfight better than Luke Skywalker. Than any human, <laughs> let alone, you know, Master Jedi or whatever. I always believed that the Jedi had an upper hand when it came to lasers because they could use the Force to guide the lasers. The Jedis don't miss, not because they're crack shots, but because they're cheating with the Force and they're moving that laser beam where they want it. If you can cheat, why wouldn't you? Well, they don't even know they're doing it. It's... It's just the way it is. Yeah, and then the lasers miss them because they're kind of moving them ever such a fraction of of a degree on their way in. Those stormtroopers aren't such bad shots. This Luke's using the force to just like make him veer. These guys are like, what the fuck? (laughs) I got 100 and my marksmanship exam and I can't hit this asshole that's walking straight in front of me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure the uh, the films really support that conjecture, but... uh... I don't know. Did you see um, Rogue One? Yeah, of course. And you remember when what's his name was, was out there walking and, and with the stormtrooper shooting at him, and he's like, "I'm one with the force, and the force is one with me. Mm-hmm. I am one with the force, and the force is one with me." He was making those laser bolts miss him. Yeah, but 
Han Solo was not one with the Force. Han Solo was a disbeliever. True. And the stormtroopers still missed him. Well, I'm 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 thinking that they were just disheveled from their encounter with the Jedi. <laughs> their confidence was broken. <laughs> they were they were trying to compensate for aiming at a Jedi because these 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 were um, <clears throat> some of these were still uh, Jangos, right? Some of mm-hmm. these were still Jango clones, right? So they're like, "Wow, I was off." Three sixteenths of an inch when I aimed at that blonde hair kid. So I am going to adjust my sight three sixteenths of an inch for for this for this smuggler. Okay, so Han was getting a tertiary benefit of mm-hmm. being in the proximity of a future Jedi. That's what I'm going with. All right, it's you know it's a reasonable conjecture, and it's it's hard to refute it. All right, because I still think they were killing Ewoks pretty deftly. So Ewoks didn't have the Force. And the Stormtroopers knew it. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, these fuzzy teddy bear motherfuckers, they ain't got no Force. Yeah. And then Stormtroopers. And they got something that needs to the Ewoks, too. Once that log came down, smashed that scout walker, the game was on for the Stormtroopers. Like, fuzzy teddy bears has killed my friend. These all die. Well, there was a um, large... um, surge in memberships for the uh, post-Endor, uh, post-traumatic stress. That's a tough uh, one. Clinics for stormtroopers. I mean, we've talked about this in the past, man. When everything that you know to be good and peaceful and soothing kills you, they, they're, there's no compensating for that. Fuzzy teddy bears? Murderous. Uh uh, welcoming campsite filled with booby traps, and not the good kind of boobies. No, no, you're gonna go. You're gonna start hanging out in places like Tatooine and Dagobah just to, you know to get some relaxation from all the trauma. And give me a nice swamp or an arid desert, you know, someplace I know that the trees aren't gonna kill me or the little fuzzy teddy bears aren't gonna like smash my friends with logs. I got lucky enough to finally get into my. Uh, Groundlings sketch writing class that I've been wanting to take for a while. Now, when did you start the application process for this? Well, it's not so much like as, as a school type application. It's like you sign up on their website and, and you try to give them your money. But the programs are probably so impacted because everybody and their mother wants to go and take a class at the Groundlings. That now you say. Potato, I say potato. Uh, the bottom line is that there are obstacles for when I decided, you to get in. When I decided I'm going to throw my money at these people and let them take it, and in exchange, maybe teach me how to better write sketches, that started at the end of December. Okay, so. We're now three months into the process, and you have started to get an indication that, yes, we might take your money. Um, They actually took my money, and they gave me a seat. Wow. So they they said, thank you for your money, and in exchange for your money, we will allow you a seat. 
to hopefully learn how to be funny and write short form comedy. I'm well. I'm I'm sure that your fans would be grateful for that. So, what do you think is funny right now? I like it when I uh, put blender, <laughs> put tacos in a blender, and and I try to drink them. Okay, so where's the punchline? Drinking them. It's not a punchline, sir. <laughs> the punchline is sometimes we add tequila. <laughs> That's not a punchline either. What else do you have? Um, and then I add uh, a hostess cupcake to a juicer. I'm going for the drunk history model. No, drunk, yeah, except this is like drunk cooking, <laughs> except there's no jokes. What do you mean? I sit there while the drunken stuff gets mushed up together. Okay. Well, we don't have a remedial comedy class, <laughs> but if we did, you would be in it. <laughs> They'll just say, uh, thank you, Mr. Watson, for your check. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to ignore you for the duration of this class, but you're welcome to come back next week because your money's good. As long as your checks keep clearing. Yes. Um, please don't raise your hand when we ask for ideas anymore. Because <laughs> yours are all bad. <laughs> so, in this one funny sketch, we ate cookies. <laughs> you, you yeah, but they were cookies covered with sushi. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. Quit eating cookies. That's not a joke. <laughs> Eating cookies ain't a joke. <laughs> but it's funny when there's fish involved. No, oh, or you try to eat them as fast as you can. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So hopefully uh, I will take my eight-week course and be much funnier. <laughs> it's highly probable that you will be funnier than when you started. As long as I pay attention. I do my homework. Yeah. I write jokes. I have no idea what to expect. Really, I was totally excited about this because Groundlings has been around forever. It feels like. Um, there's a few comedy schools in L.A. designed to teach people how to you better write and perform. And I'm not so sure I'm feeling the performance thing. You know, I did, college, I did uh, acting in college and... I even had an agent way, way, way back in the late 90s. And I did my share of auditions and all that fun stuff. But I realized, you know, I did not want to be, well, I'm going to say rich or famous. No, that's not what I'm going to say. I did not want to be someone else's character. Not a pride thing. It's just I wasn't feeling that that's where I would blossom. So... Everybody wants to be rich. Mm -hmm. Not everybody wants to be famous. If you can be rich and not be famous, would that be a alternative? It depends. Or does it go hand in hand? Do you want to be rich and famous? Well, I think the way I want to be rich, fame, so to speak, goes hand in hand with it because I want to be famous. I want to be rich from entertainment. And entertainers are usually famous. Roger Corman's not exactly famous. I would call him famous. He's famous in the industry. Yeah, I mean, he's like, he's like Lloyd Kaufman. Yeah. I would call Lloyd Kaufman famous. Oh, yeah. 
and they have very much the same business model. Mm-hmm. Um, make stuff, make it for cheap, and make it interesting. I think, you know, if I was going to say, who do you emulate? You know, because you could say, who who do you, who is most like what you want to be? And I'd say, well, he, neither of them aren't quite what I want to be. You know, because Roger Corman's way more behind the scenes. Lloyd Kaufman, he's there, front of scenes. He's the face of his company, right? Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to be that, but also like a little bit of Frank Oz. Okay. You know? I mean, Frank Oz, great director, great talent, puppeteer, writer. I mean, sort of somewhere in between Frank Oz and Lloyd Kaufman is where I'm going for. Some new combination. And and I think that's really important that uh, what I want to be is not necessarily what's what's out there right now. It's a little bit something new. Unless you start thinking of Jim Henson, and I'm not going to compare myself to Jim Henson <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, that's going to that, that'll bring some bad karma down on you. Choice wise, is that? Yeah, I mean, Jim Henson is amazing. I, I got to say, everything he's done is totally an inspiration to what I'm doing. But I'm not puppet centric. You know, puppets to me. Or puppets to me are either well, they're, they're like actors. Puppets are like actors to well, me. Puppets are a way of limiting the amount of actors that you have to deal with. Oh, see, uh, but I'm not going after that at all. That's not the purpose of me using puppets. Puppets to me represent a kind of actor that you cannot duplicate or replicate in any other way. They're real. They exist in the world. They have three dimensions. They have personalities. People can play them, but other people play them. If you look at, you know, Big Bird, Big Bird's played by somebody, but Big Bird is an actor. The person that plays Big Bird is a performer. People can perform Big Bird, but Big Bird's the actor. Well, kind of in the way that Jack from the Jack in the Box commercial is an actor. Yes. That there is somebody that is wearing the costume and there's somebody that is voicing the voice. Like I perform Klaus. I could perform Dr. Malarkey. I could perform French Onion. And when I perform them, someone else can come in later on, base their performance off mine, and those characters still going to exist. You know? You can't perform Martin Brando, Marlon Brando. Yep. I mean, you can mimic, you can impersonate, but you can't be Marlon Brando. You can be, uh, what's his name, Rich Little? You can be Rich Little doing Marlon Brando. Yeah. But you know what? You're still Rich Little doing Marlon Brando. You're not doing Marlon Brando because Marlon Brando's dead. Unless you saw Rogue One, and then disregard everything I just said. <laughs> you know what we need is a as a mother in charge of the mothers. You know, kind of like a grandmother, a, a den mother, a grandmother, a grandmother, a grandmother. Okay, 
I'm not sure. Well, okay. Grandmother, grandmother is like a producer. In fact, in the credits, in credits when we have this, instead of producer, she's going to say grandmother. Uh, well, okay. So I'm I'm thinking of Nina Hartley, but uh, hmm. gilfs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait until she's an octogenarian. <laughs> I'm not sure she's not already there yet. No, I think she's. I think she's just a. Sixties. Um, uh, heptagenarian. Yeah. This is the part where we <laughs> bore you again. So, uh, wrapping things up. Wrapping things up, we've got some exciting things coming up. I've got classes to take at the Groundlings studio, so hopefully make our Groundlings, whatever that is, the Groundlings, Groundlings Theater. Maybe that can be funny. Potentially. There's potential for that to be funny. We'll see. We've got conventions coming up that we will probably make ourselves go to. Small ones where you can meet the mothers. We won't be in row XX in the very back corner. It would be a chance for the mother light to shine. That was quite a stretch. <laughs> Is the mother light a thing? Well, everybody has a, a little light in them, and you just have to let it shine. So we're not going to talk about Luke Cage. <laughs> or Iron Fist. I haven't watched Iron Fist yet. You haven't watched it yet? No. Okay. After Luke Cage, Sarah's out. <laughs> <laughs> like, Iron Fist is not going to make it much better. <laughs> Sarah's like, I'm not watching another one of those. <laughs> you made me watch Jessica Jones, and now you made me watch Luke Cage. <clears throat> and I said, but I only made you watch Luke Cage to make you watch Iron Fist. <laughs> She's like, No. <laughs> Iron Fist is a little slow. It's um, slower than Luke Cage. Okay, I, Luke Cage lost me when they had uh, who was it? Uh, Diamondback running around in the silly suit power that made him suit? power suit that made him as strong as Luke Cage. And yeah, how does that work? Yeah, well, that would have to be some robot controlled airbags for when he gets punched. And Whatever. I didn't, I didn't see none of that. Yeah. Because um, even if you're strong, taking a Luke Cage punch, that's another thing. It's one thing to punch Luke Cage. It's another thing to get be punched, punched by Luke Cage. Yeah, you ain't walking away from that unless you are super. <clears throat> and then they reference the... What's so, y- you've watched Arrow? No. The... DC TV series? Nope. No, you haven't. Not even season one. No, nope, I have it on Blu-ray. Okay. Do you have it on Blu-ray? Uh, well, I watched it on Netflix or something. Uh, I was Do you want it on Blu-ray? Iron Fist reminds me a lot of Arrow. Arrow season one. Do you watch Flash? No. No. Neither do I. <laughs> Um, it I lo- I watched like one episode and couldn't get past episode one. Flash, yeah. 
What do you think about the new Spider-Man coming up? He looks like Tony Stark's flunky. <clears throat> yeah, and if you're going to talk about uh, the um, the records of people mentoring other superheroes, it has not gone well. Spider-Man was not Tony Stark's flunky pre-Civil War. In in that Civil War imagining stuff, uh-huh. the reimagining of Peter Parker, it used to be Peter was not a joiner. Spider-Man was a universe unto itself. And then something happened. Uh-huh. And now Spider-Man is a Tony Stark fanboy and flunky. Well, you know, it's it's all part of the Marvel rebooting the universe multiple times. and But it doesn't jibe with Spider-Man's philosophy. There's his, a- his basic operating tenet... His, not somebody who's made up, is the with great power comes great responsibility. And Tony Stark exhibits none of that. With great power comes uh, great TNA. Right. Jet-setting, world-hopping, TNA, big party-grabbing. That's Tony Stark. It's like if Elon, if you crossed Elon Musk with Hugh Hefner and Paris Hilton. Right? Sure. Except Elon Musk actually invented all the stuff that he buys. You know, we we have not had a world-class playboy physicist ever in the world. So you're you're saying what we need is a real life buckaroo bonsai. Every dimension needs one of those. You know, I want a guy who can rock out a concert, perform brain surgery, and build a time gate. Yeah, that that sounds like the perfect trifecta. But we don't have that. We've got people that are Uh, surprisingly intuitive. Maybe two out of three. Like Elon Musk. I don't know how smart he really is. I think he's pretty smart. I think he's pretty smart. Yeah. But I don't think he's come up with all of the stuff that he owns. Well, I mean, if you're pretty smart, you don't have to. And I think that's where Elon Musk is. Yeah. You know, since I can never hope to be smart enough to invent, create a space station from scratch or program a cellular network from scratch, because a lot of people don't understand the program that goes into cellular networks. It's ridiculously complex. But you don't have to. You just have to be a visionary. And hire somebody who can write that shit. Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, if you could write that shit, if you thought of that stuff, you know, we we talk about quantum theory, right? Quantum mechanics. Mm-hmm. Stuff that was created in the 20s, right? Yeah, even before then. Right? You know, 
And people say, well, you know, all this technology that comes out, that had to come out of the Roswell crash. That had to come out of, like, aliens. Because we have unreasonably experienced a technological boom since the 1950s. And we didn't. I mean, we did. It, it took 35 years for people to take the theories of quantum mechanics and to start to apply it. Right. So 35, not, 40, 50 years. It's not an unexplained boom. No, I mean, this, there was theory that was around overnight. That was, there was theory that they were using in the 50s that was created so many decades before that they, the technology started catching up. So they can now they can do this. Now they can do that. Now they can do that other thing. You know, we're still... The original quantum theory, we still haven't expressed all of it yet. We won't for a long time. It, But it is considered to be one of the most successful uh, theories in science because it is so accurately predicted outcomes. Right. And it is also one of the fucking weirdest theories in, sil- in science because the shit that it predicts does not make sense. But it has predicted that nonsensical shit extremely accurately. So it must be from aliens. <laughs> well, um, so uh, quantum theory originated in just after the turn of the of the century 1910 1915 1920 was when people started to think um what are quanta and what are energy states and what does that mean um so it's now a hundred years later Yes. It's a it's a hundred years, a hundred years of research and application. No, that this shit didn't happen overnight after Roswell. It happened after a hundred years right. of smart people looking at experiments and results and saying, "How can we apply this?" It's amazing. It's not aliens. <laughs> No, it's hard work. <clears throat> and you know who don't do that kind of hard work? Tony Stark. <laughs> Peter Parker does. That's how he builds web shooters. I've got all the powers of a spider, except I don't like shoot web out of my ass. You know, the embarrassing thing is the web comes out of the penis. <laughs> but I don't want to pull that out and spray web everywhere. <laughs> well, it would... Uh... That Spider-Man's a wholesome hero. He's not moving around swinging on his penis. It would make, you know, attending high school science fairs a little bit more challenging. <laughs> if you're swinging around on your penis. You ever see the, the art of Spider-Man? He's like, he's holding his hands down between his legs, with his legs spread apart, and he's swinging between buildings. It's not so hard to make that his penis. Oh man! If I had spider, if you had spider powers, and the web came out of your penis, would you swing on it? Would you? I don't know that I would. You know, it might be something that you have to save for those special occasions. Yeah, that is rough. 
That is rough. Man, I don't know how else to leave this. So. <laughs> I'm going to say thanks for listening to this Mother's Podcast. I'm CJ Watson. And I am Jack Fisher. And hop on. point out many times you don't really edit. editing and i are uh passing acquaintances we are ships in the night we are one night stands on the wrong side of the neighborhood you know what editing is you you just choose not to do it i like everything to seem natural and if a pause lasts 38 seconds <laughs> that was a natural pause so it's not so much natural as organic. Isn't I, organic natural? Yes, but there's a difference between natural sounding and organic. Uh, organic is um, the sound of the beans growing in the garden. Natural has a flow to it. It feels natural. <laughs> Editing can achieve a natural feel without everything being organic. Let's test that right now. (laughs) (laughs) And there is nothing in my friendship with you that leads me to believe that you will actually listen to something that I tell you. I'll listen. I might even note, <laughs> but I probably will not execute. <laughs> you'll listen, you'll nod your head, and you'll do it the way you want to do it anyway. While I'm nodding my head, I'm thinking about bunnies. <laughs> See, I don't believe you are thinking about bunnies. Yeah. I think you're thinking about a hundred other things. Except and then the bunnies. bunnies blip into your head for half a second. Yeah. I describe what goes on in my head. As um, what happens when you take those old rotary dial televisions, mm-hmm. remember the dial televisions? Yeah, sure. And, and you start with your hand upside down, and you just flip it all around really fast. That's my brain. That's what's going on between my ears. All the channels at the same time. Kind of multitasking. You get, you get. An eighth of a second of channel 54, and you get an eighth of a second of channel 32, and you get an eighth of a second of whatever channel. And you get the kind of expertise from that that you would expect. (laughs) So you're telling me that uh, you suffer from short attention span, possibly attention deficit disorder. I don't know, because I'll come back to the thing on the next spin round. I can even force myself to focus on something. But then it's like when you're clicking between uh, channels during the commercials of your favorite show, so you can see what's going on over there. Yep. <laughs>